one of the challenges was always, so how many missionaries do you send? Because CMS was always seen as a sending mission agency. But at that time, I felt by God's grace, the church in Africa needed to be empowered to re realize and release its own resources for sending. So I, as I look at the last, call it 10, 15 years, I believe it's been a chance or opportunity for the church in Africa to recognize that the church in Africa has something to give and is not only a recipient of mission, but also a giver of mission. And by God's grace, I feel that looking across the various dioceses, when I talk about the church, I talk primarily about the Anglican church, but also about the other churches there, that we now have come to a place where the church begins to realize that it has something to give, not just to the rest of the world, but also to share amongst each other. One of the privileges that I have as a CMS director is I get to travel across several provinces. I get to travel to several dioceses, and I get to see some of the best and the worst. But I can realize the church in Africa is rich in mission. So what, is, what does CMS Africa then do in terms of sending missionaries? So I wrestled with that whole um, thought. And it became clear to me that there's two paradigms we could be dealing with. Do we train those people who are sent or send those people who are trained? And so it became clear to me that in CMS Africa, we train those people who are sent. We don't send those people who are trained. So we don't train people to send them, but we recognize that God has placed his people everywhere to do mission. And that mission is not something you do over there. Mission is who you are as a Christian witness in every sphere of society. And I remember when I came to Winchester Diocese, uh, maybe about two or three years ago, and I had the slogan, it kind of very much embodied what I believe CMS Africa seeks to do. And they had, a, I think, a, a year of mission emphasis. And they talked about across the room, across the road, or across the world. And I remember being uh, one of the clergy in Winchester telling me that they've been working in communities where if you live in a home and all you can do is take your wheelchair and go across the room and talk to somebody else, that is mission. If you live in a community and you can leave your room, your door, and go across the road, that is mission. And you can go across the world. So that all are called to mission. Mission is not a calling to some, but to everyone. And so in CMS Africa, one of the things that we found ourselves doing now is training people to be effective as witnesses wherever God has placed them. And our ecclesiology is that the church is the body of Christ. We meet on Sunday or whichever day and gather for worship and for training but we scatter for service. So the church does not cease to be the church when we leave the worship center or the building. We continue to be the church. What kind of church are we when the Sunday service is over? We're the kind of church that says the kingdom come, the will be done in this hospital, in this school, in this law firm, in this sector, with this FGM, whatever it is, on earth as it is in heaven. 
so that every person who comes to church has a sense of calling and a sense of passion and a sense of burden to be part of God's redemptive agenda wherever God has placed them. And I believe that what we've been doing through our training the last 10-15 years is actually to awaken the church to realize that everyone is called to mission. Then the question comes, what do we do with, what about the sending? Again, the question comes there. So does CMS Africa send? We say, God sends. We do not have the capacity, the mechanism to send as CMS did many years, over many years, to send people to Africa and all over the world. But we do recognize that God is sending Africans to the world and the world to Africa. Africans are going to the world as refugees, they're going for education, they're going for business. God is sending them. But when they are sent there, what do they do in terms of mission? This is why I'm very, very excited to have Harvey coming to uh, uh, Kenya and to Africa, basically, to work with that team and start helping the church in Africa realize that what do you do when you're sent from Africa to the, and become a part of the global diaspora? And that, I believe, is a big gap that I feel we're now ready to begin to address. The second thing is God is sending the world to Africa. When I say the world, particularly the East, and the East, I mean China. China has a commitment to connect every African capital by rail and road, I think by the year 2060. They were, you know, the Chinese have a long-term vision. They don't think short-term. And they are working, and in, in Kenya, for example, with about 30,000 Chinese who have come to build our standard gauge railway. When I traveled to Lagos, on Kenya Airways, I thought I was going to Hong Kong. <laughs> because there's about five Africans on the plane landing in Lagos. All the rest were Chinese. Go to Angola, go to Mozambique, go to anywhere in Africa, and the Chinese have literally invaded the continent. In some countries, I think like Malawi and Zambia, they play a major political, uh, uh, the major political force in terms of who becomes president. So about a year and a half ago, we felt in CMS Africa that we can collaborate with uh, Asia CMS because Kang Sang, as you know from Asia CMS, is very, very competent in uh, mini, uh, training people to engage in a multi-faith uh, context. And so we began working with a, uh, a small team to help the church in Africa to realize how to engage, particularly with the Chinese. Now, for me, I was very intimidated by the Chinese, let me put it uh, quite frankly, because I've studied Islam, I know how to engage with people who have different faiths. But people who have got no faith, <laughs> who claim to be atheists, how do you deal with them? How do you engage with them with the gospel? And so we're taking that very, very baby infant steps to know how to engage with the Chinese who have come to Africa. And it's also interesting that not only are Chinese coming to Africa as from a call it your communist uh, uh, Confucian uh, worldview, but we're also having Chinese Christian business people coming to Africa. We actually engaged with a Christian businessman who has a construction project in Nairobi, and he actually has church service on his construction project. I think it's every Thursday, every Friday. It's not on a Sunday, but he's actually witnessing and reaching out with his faith as a construction worker. So there's an opportunity for us to engage with global missions um, from an African perspective with the fact that 
God is bringing, is, and I think, I think how he put it very well, he's mixing us up once again, whatever it is that we are. So I believe that CMS Africa's strength is going to be training those people who are sent. Where has God placed you? How can we train you to be missional where you are? Whether it's a nurse or a doctor or a teacher or a politician, when you the church service is over on Sunday, how do you continue to advance God's mission where you are? And when God sends you to another context, another country, whether it is with the rural urban migration, we've seen that happen a lot. Um, Africa is rapidly urbanizing. And so we see the movement. I've actually um, spoken at one particular um, denomination that we're working with, Africa, Africa Gospel Mission. And their main church in Nairobi, about, say, 90% of them have moved in from the rural areas. So they're fresh coming into a city situation. So how do we help them engage and not just become a tribal ghetto, but actually begin to think about moving across the room, across the road, and across the world with the gospel message? And basically, as I say in CMS Africa, our mantra is love your neighbor as yourself. Think about the other person. What can you do to reach out to what you have to love your neighbor? So that basically, I feel, is CMS Africa's uh, uh, role at this moment. And I think we're now ready to begin engaging, particularly with the not just the diaspora coming to Africa, but the Africa going to the diaspora. And this is why I'm very, very excited about getting Harvey to come and be part of us. When I met him, it was about a year ago, a year and a half ago, and um, I've been reading his book, studying it, actually not reading it. I've got a few questions to ask him. Um, <laughs> but I'm very, very excited to know that we're now ready to talk about what about the Africans in Europe. And, um, and I do know that um, it's a very, very different um, experience. When I did my first training in Winchester, Thanks to Bishop uh, uh, Tim Duckin, he had me go train all his clergy. It was very, very intimidating because in Africa, when I uh, tell people to turn to the Bible, they normally have maybe two or three local translations. But here his clergy were reading in Hebrew and in Greek. <laughs> and so during the break, they tell me the correct, the correct uh, tense or the verb of what I was trying to share in uh, the, the passage I was using. And towards the end of the training, we are talking about application. And um, there's all this intellectual discourse going on. And one clergy got very, very, very mad. He stood up and said, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Stop discussing it, debating it. Just love your neighbor. The message is the same. So we're discussing, debating, you know, theorizing, and doing all kinds of things. And so one of the things that became clear to me, and I'm still learning about that, is... As a culture, you're very much used to charity. You know, you have thousands of charities here. So in a sense, you assume that love is part of your fabric of your society. While in Africa, we, tell, we help people become charitable, learn to give. So what we felt is that talking to Colin Smith, who's on the CMS Africa staff and worked with me in Africa for a while, is that maybe the way we need to approach our own gifts to the church in Europe here is not start with a uh, practice sorry, theory and go to practice, which is what we do in Africa, we begin the theology, and then we say, how do we love our neighbor? He start examining the practice. Is your practice here biblically rooted? Or is it culturally, just a cultural, something you have in culture? Because as a culture, you have the inbuilt charities. So I'm still learning, and I'm, and I'm looking forward to learning, what does it mean for us in Africa to come and be a blessing to the church, uh, particularly in England, and of course, the rest of the world? How do we become a blessing to the church in Asia, and we're already engaging with uh, Asia CMS in CMS Africa. 
We're also engaging with the New Zealand CMS, and I just got a chance to talk to David Williams, and we're asking ourselves, how do we engage with Aborigines in, uh, in Australia? We're discussing about sending a team to Darwin, where we can actually have a presence for about three to four to five years, and work with a context of, of, of extreme poverty that's caused by state, uh, 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 state um, welfare, welfare state that actually keeps the Aborigines very, very dependent and into alcohol and all kinds of situations. So I think we're now ready to, to, to train those who are sent wherever God has placed them. So I don't think we'll ever become a sending mission agency, but we are going to be a training and discipleship organization. Thank you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes, okay, that's good. All right, so global mission from an African perspective. Let, let me pick up on the two themes that I started with earlier, the theme of community and the theme of diversity on the other hand. So back in Acts 2, the spirit sort of takes advantage of the diversity that is already in, in Jerusalem to, to, to get things started. But when, when, when you read the story back further, you realize that tra tradition says that the upper room was in Mary's house, and Mary is the mother of John Mark. Tradition, because really it's, it's not been certified or agreed upon by Western scholars. <laughs> but Mary, the mother of John Mark, had lived in Libya for a long time. Actually, John Mark, the writer of the Second Gospel, was born in Libya, was born in Africa. So right at the birth of the church, this is happening in, in, a, in, in a place of African hospitality. And that shapes the story. So when, when we read further, going, say, from Acts 2, heading towards Acts 13, where Paul and Barnabas are sent from Antioch to become missionaries going into Europe. You see, you see the effect of the mixing taking place. You see, you see voices from the diaspora becoming leaders in the conversation. And, of course, when, when we come to Acts 13, and, and we have those five names of the leaders of the church in Antioch, you realize that two of those had an African background. So there's Simeon called the Niger, which really everybody agrees that the Niger is really because he's black. And, and there's Lucius of Cyrene, Libya again. So 
Africa gets tied into the story of mission right from the beginning, right from the birth of the church. When, when, when we go further in Acts, we meet, we meet a guy called Apollos, an Alexandrian Jew, an Egyptian, an African, who is so influential in some circles that in, 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 in Corinth, as we read Paul, he, he's saying there was a time when the Christians in, in Corinth divided one another, divided themselves into groups and say, we are of Apollos, we are of Paul, and some are saying we are of Christ. Africa is engaged in the story right, right from the beginning. As we move further in, 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 in church history, we, we begin to meet names of, of people of African origin that are working and serving the global church, even in the West. So when we hear names like Tertullian, right? An, an African from North Africa, really who becomes the father of Latin theology. When we meet people like Augustine of Hippo, he's an African who is having an impact on the church. When, 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 when Constantine calls for the Council of Nicaea, he is doing that in response to squabbles, theological conflicts taking place in Egypt, in Africa. And he's saying, come, let's, let's discuss this. Let's, let's figure out really what's part of the story is the Aryan controversy and, and, and a leader in, in, in Egypt, Libya, who is beginning to argue that Christ was created and that creates the tension that the, that, 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 that the, emperor, the emperor says, come, let's, let's talk about this. Africa is very, very involved in this story. Now, for one reason or another, we are in the midst of a period where, of course, African Christianity is growing massively. Uh, a continent that had nine million Christians in 1900 now has over 540 million Christians uh, just 116 years later. That kind of growth has never happened in Christian history. It's unprecedented. But with that, of course, there's also the migration of Africans around the world. So there is a dispersion taking place, a diasporization of African Christianity, really, spreading Christians around, around the world. You, you, you hardly go to, to a country where you don't find Africans. If you don't find Africans, you'll find Nigerians. <laughs> <laughs> But the continent that is converting to Christianity in large numbers is also the continent that's, that's being displaced and, and being dispersed around the world. So we end up having a situation where African Christians are present in the West in large numbers. In, in some cases, African Christians are the people who are propping up Christianity in, in, in Western cities. I have a friend 
in, in London. He's a vicar in, in, in an Anglican church in London. He's a medical doctor from Nigeria, trained in Nigeria, and was invited to be a doctor at a CMS church in Nigeria. So he did that for a few years, uh, living in a house that right before him was occupied by a CMS missionary in Nigeria. And somewhere, somehow, he decides to move to England. He comes to England with his family. He ends up in, a, in an Anglican church out of choice. He says, I, I want to serve the local church. So he goes into an Anglican church. It happens that the missionary who lived in his house in Nigeria goes to this church. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then, of course, uh, after one year, he decides he wants to, to, to go for ordination, and training, and everything. And then he comes back and he becomes the vicar of this church. And that church is a church that Henry Vane served in as a vicar. It's a full story. Now, that's just one story. There are many stories. Many stories where British missionaries went to Africa, helped disciple Africans, and now the Africans have ended up in Britain. Now, I, I, let me emphasize something. We, African Christians, are the fruit of the work of your ancestors. All right? We, we are not... We are, not, we are not that suspicious. <laughs> Your great-grandfathers and mothers are the people who have... We are spiritual descendants of the same people, basically. We are brothers and sisters. Now, when, when, when they come here, like, like, like the story of... Caribbean Christians coming here in the 40s and 50s, hospitality becomes an issue. So they come in here, of course, expecting we're going to our we're going to a Christian nation that is going to be hospitable to us. And and, and we come in here and the story is different. And as a result, we, we end up having African churches doing their own thing and, and, and British churches doing their own thing. And, and the two don't, don't even meet, don't even talk to one another. And yet, really, as I said, it's becoming more and more certain that African Christian presence in Europe it is going to have an impact. Is, is African Christians are slowly becoming the face of Christianity in, in, in many places. 
thanks to you, of course. You, you, this is part of your story. This is part of your fruit. This is, this is, you're supposed to celebrate this. Okay? You're supposed to thank God for this. This is a testimony to your work. But as we move forward, as we, as we think of engaging in mission together in Europe, we have to realize that really it's going to take all of us working together. What's happening now? For instance, when I, when I talk to African pastors here in, in Britain, they tell me, Almost every one of them tells me we don't know what to do with the second generation. We don't know how to do with our children. Because, of course, the parents are African in culture. The children are anything but. Right? And so there is, there is in their own homes, they have to engage in cross-cultural mission with their children. And, 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 and I tell them, I say, Actually, your children will be the cultural interpreters that will help you begin to get British culture. But that requires us working together. No church is a church without engaging in mission. Mission has to be at the heart of everything that we do as a church. And, and this is for the African church, and this is for the British church. And if mission is about really what God is doing, this mixing of, of the nations, this bringing together of people from many parts of the world, this bringing back of Christianity, back in, in, in the 1800s, when, when the missionary movement the Western mission movement was gaining momentum to go and evangelize the world, they talked about something called the blessed reflex. And the blessed reflex was really a hope that one day Christians from the then unevangelized world, from Africa, from Asia, would come to Europe and reinvigorate European Christianity. Okay, so this is, this, is, this is way back in 1800s. This is before colonialism took over. There was a hope. They hoped that one day people will come from Africa, people will come from Asia, people will come from Latin America and help energize Western Christianity. That is happening now. The blessed reflex is here. But, but we, maybe we, we, we should ask the question, what is God doing with this? And what do we do with it? What, what, why is this happening? What is God doing? And how do we respond to that? And maybe the best response is really to say, maybe this bringing together of Christians from around the world, African, Asian, Latin American, is really something that Western Christianity needs. 
I, I, so, just to pick up on something that Philip mentioned earlier, the impact, impact of Western culture on Christianity. We, we, we are quick to point out that, you know, African, African Christianity has been, has been mixed with African culture. Talk about syncretism. <laughs> From an African perspective, the same thing happens in Western Christianity. So it's, the impact of the Enlightenment and individualism on Western Christianity is massive. The, the, and so the coming of these non-Western Christianities that have not been really seriously impacted by the Enlightenment becomes something that actually Western Christianity needs to see, needs to hear. Talk about, talk about things like the way we talk about the Holy Spirit in African culture, the spirit world altogether. You, you cannot read the Bible without seeing the spirit in it. It's almost like the spirit is in everything. Not necessarily always good, but, but it's a different worldview. It's a different worldview that Western Christians often need to hear about. Right? We, we, we talk, about, talk about prayer. How Africans will pray and pray and pray and pray until they can pray no more. The, how, how some people will, will say that if God does not provide, we're not going to survive. There's no food, there's nothing. We only just depend on God and God has to provide miraculously. And talk about that in a context where one of the greatest culture shocks that I have ever seen in my life was when I first moved from Malawi to Switzerland. <laughs> and, and really, of course, I mean, growing up in Malawi, you don't know what it means to be rich. I end up in Switzerland and uh, I'm like, this same world? But, but the amount of food we wasted in Switzerland, over against the famine that had left in Malawi in 2002, where uh, so one day I'm walking around the town in, 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 in central region of Malawi, I, I see a group of people surrounding a woman, and so I, I get close to see what's happening. And I find this woman, she is saying if, she has three children with her, she's saying if, if these children stay with me, they are going to die. So if somebody can give me something equivalent of 10 pounds today, you can, have, you can have one of the children, sort of selling her own children because of famine, right? So I move from that, I find myself in Switzerland where food, we don't talk about food, we don't think about food, we waste food like crazy. And, and, and maybe African Christians come in to speak into these things, to begin to open your eyes to things that you could not see otherwise. Community. I, I spent a few years in America. The hardest thing for me to resolve, probably even until now, is individualism in American culture. Everybody's doing their own thing. You, 
almost like everybody is self-contained, self-sufficient. You don't need anybody else to help you one way or another. In Africa, our identity comes from belonging and sharing and generosity. When I talked about the people that died of AIDS, not because they were promiscuous, but because they were helping others who were dying of AIDS. That you know that the existence, the survival of the other, is needed for you to be. That you cannot, you, individualism just doesn't make sense. And these are some of the things that, as African Christians and other world Christians work in the West, we come in with different eyes. We see things that probably you would not see, a fish in water. And so, as I said, we are part of the same story. We are here because of your work in Africa. We are here because your, your great-grandparents or grandparents work in Africa. We are brothers and sisters. Let us work together. Let us do this thing together. If for anything else, for the sake of God's mission in Europe. Thank you. to say a, gr a great deal after that, but um, I just want to uh, pick up a, um, uh, a couple of things. First of all, Dennis, I want to say to you, never be fooled by clergy having her Hebrew and Greek in front of them. It just doesn't mean they understand it. Don't, 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 don't be fooled by that. Um, I think uh, lovely to hear Harvey's testimony of you know, the, the, fruit of, the fruit of mission and that we are brothers and sisters because we've all been involved in the same endeavor and uh, born of the spirit of the same uh, of, of the same father, um, I think there are two directions of travel that we need to take really seriously, and we in CMS need to take really seriously. So I'll say this very briefly with my eye on the clock, William. I promise. Um, one direction of travel is this astonishing shift of the centre of gravity of global Christianity to the uh, to the of world Christianity to the global south. Uh, the second is the astonishing movement in migration um, to the global north. And those are two really important um, directions of travel. Actually, the Christian faith has always traveled mainly along trade routes and mainly through migration. Um, and so in that sense, what we're seeing is, uh, is nothing new. And, and Harvey has a phrase that we, we serve a migrant god, and I think that's a very, um, very apposite um, phrase. But... What, does, what do those two directions of travel mean for Africa and for CMS? CMS Africa is a sign of that astonishing shift of the center of world Christianity to the global south. Harvey and Missio Africanus are a sign of that astonishing shift in migration um, to the global north. And I would simply say that we in CMS are absolutely committed to taking both of those movements uh, really seriously. And that means that, that shift in the center of gravity of, of global Christianity to the global south means that we must, I, I, I mean this quite seriously, in terms of mission in Africa, CMS Africa must increase and we must decrease. 
and our and our, our service of them and our commitment to them needs to needs to grow and uh, and our our missions need to align ever more closely with them taking the lead that is probably the that's not the shift of a year or two that's probably the shift maybe of a generation but that absolutely has to be the direction of travel the second is that we really need to take very seriously the challenge that that Harvey gives us to receive the gifts of the global church uh, in in the western context when the Church of England talks about reform and renewal and addressing its own problems, when have you ever heard it talking about receiving the gifts of the global church as part of the solution to its own problems? I haven't heard anyone say that. And that seems to me to be remarkably um, blinkered. Uh, Dennis challenged me early on in my time in CMS and said, when is CMS going to start receiving the gifts of the global church? And I got quite anxious about that. And only some months later, he said, you know, you don't need to wait to receive them. They're already. And I wanted to say, why don't you tell me that in the first place, Dennis? But, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but he's right. He's absolutely right. And uh, we have a small cohort of um, leaders of African origin churches studying on our MA on the Pioneer program, that, the, Pioneer, the MA program that, that, that Harvey leads. And that, that's wonderful. And that's a way of us helping African origin churches in the Western context deal seriously with the missionary challenge that they are faced in, in how they relate to um, the, the real challenge of engaging in, uh, in, in, in the Western uh, context. It's absolutely right that the presence of the global church in the UK is transforming the church here. I was saying to someone over coffee, I think, I'm much more hopeful about the future of the urban church in this country than I am about the future of the rural church simply because of the, la the, 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 the significant presence of global Christians. But we need to do yet more to unlock those gifts in mission in the Western context. So I want to say we in CMS absolutely need to take both of those directions of travel seriously. They're represented by these two outstanding men, and I'm delighted that we're in partnership with them. Thank you.